The following audio message by Dudley Hall is presented by Kerygma Ventures. More information is available at www.kerygmaventures.com. Well, Glory, this is Dudley. It's good to be with you. Hey, I'm, uh, bring, I'm coming to you from Tesoro Escondido, beautiful ranch in Palo Pinto County. We're under the shelter-in-place type thing. And so we figured if we can't get out, we'd be out here. So we, when we do get out and not see anybody, we can have a little place to roam. So we got some kids out here doing school. We, we're building a garden. We're doing all kinds of stuff that we, we could do. Not, not that we think our garden is going to save us from the coronavirus crisis, but learning how to do a garden is a good thing for grandkids. Hey, two or three things I want to talk to you about, and uh, it's really, really important. Everything I tell you is important. You know, I used to be telling you this is important. One is we had to uh, postpone our Wild Man Texas. This is the thing we do for men and boys each year, and hopefully we get it in. We moved it to the last weekend in May. The last weekend in May, we'll be doing Wild Man Texas unless... The authorities tell us that it's not good for us to meet, and if so, then we will do it some other time. But you can go ahead and register. Of course, if if uh, we have to cancel, you get your you're getting your money back. But we do need to know you're coming, and it will be a wonderful time if, in fact, things have calmed down then, and you can finally get out. What a wonderful time it would be to come to the ranch, enjoy the ranch in the spring, enjoy being with men and without fear of that we're going to contaminate one another. So, hey, please consider the wild man for you and every young man and old man you know. We're also planning keeping on the schedule the Retold Conference. This is one of the most fun things we do is we continue to work on the story and how to tell a story, what a story is all about. We're just learning about this and it's really, really fantastic. If we don't have a lot of people out here, we will let you register and do it live streaming. And uh, so you need to get registered for that. We can't put on cut life on hold forever. And eventually this uh, crisis point is going to pass and we need to get back to life as normal as we can. Not that it will ever go back to the way it was. Hopefully not. Hopefully there'll be some new things. But anyway, those are some things that are still on our calendar. And of course, we're still planning for the leadership expedition in July. And we're, you know, our fall, we're planning to be full. So life goes on. And oh, I got some great news for you. Really good news. The Epic Conference, we've got the messages ready. Plenary messages ready and the breakout messages ready. You need to go online or you can call the office and get those. And if you were there, you want to hear them again. And if you were not there, you certainly want to get it. This is some of the best stuff we've ever had. So you need to get the, the uh, Epic Conference, get the whole thing. But uh, if you knew, know which ones you want, you can order. So do that, okay? Also, as you know, everybody is struggling to some degree, we're all having to sacrifice at some level. Please don't stop giving during this time. And in your giving, please remember us. 
I know there are lots of places to give. And I want you taking care of the people around you. I want you to giving, I want you giving to, to the people who are in need. But remember, you're, you're our, God is our source. You are the, you're the pipeline. You're the resource. We need you. So please, uh, in your giving, be as generous as you possibly can. And don't forget us at Kerygma Ventures. So give to us. The summer always is a tough time, even in good times, because people go on vacation, they, their life is disrupted, and so giving usually goes down. And with all the disruption that now, giving is going down. So you don't let it go down. You, you stand with us, please. Okay, here's what I want to talk to you about. I'm doing this uh, live the last part of March. And Easter's coming up. Now, I, I want to take the, some text around the Easter story and talk to you about it. If you have a Bible or you have scripture, any way you do it, turn to John chapter 11 and also chapter 12. So you just keep it open right there in that, in that area of the scripture. And what I want to talk to you about is... Uh, looking for Jesus, looking for Jesus. Some people look in all the wrong places, but if you look, if you learn to see him, you can see him everywhere. So this text in John 11, as you might know, is about the, it's concerning the resurrection of Lazarus. And of course, this is pointing to a greater resurrection of, of Jesus, but the, the book of John is built around seven signs that Jesus did, seven, seven miraculous signs that he did to point toward the fulfillment that he was. He was the ultimate word of God, he is the ultimate word of God. And he did these signs to, to show that he, that he is the fulfillment of God's promise. So the, the last great sign that he did was the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And I, I want to take the text around that. So in chapter 11, there, starting with verse 55, it says, Now the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and were asking one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think? Surely he'll not come to the festival, will he? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who knew where Jesus was should let, him, let them know so they might arrest him. So hold your finger there. So, so far, here, here's what we have. The people are coming to Jerusalem for the Passover festival, all the festivals that go along with that. And so they're talking to one another. You know, is Jesus going to be here? Uh, they, they had heard of Jesus. They were curious. And they had heard what he had said. They heard what he had done and whatever. And so, so the people are looking for Jesus. Right motive, wrong motive, curious. They're looking for Jesus. Uh, the Pharisees and chief priests are looking for Jesus too. They're looking for Jesus because they're trying to eradicate him. They're trying to stop everything that he's doing. He has just raised Lazarus from the dead. And this is a sign they cannot deny. They can kind of explain away some other things, but they, they can't this one. Lazarus was dead. He'd been in the grave four days. 
everybody knew he was dead. You know, he was alive, and he he was messing up their their plans. So they were looking for him. And then uh, skip over to chapter twelve, verse twenty. And it says. Now among those who went out to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains just as a sing single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their lives lose it. Those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this reason that I've come, come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it. I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it, said it was thunder. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, the voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of the world will be driven out. And I, when I'm lifted up from heaven, will draw all men to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The crowd heard, we have heard from the law that the Messiah remains forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Jesus said to them, the light is with you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light so that darkness may not overtake you. If you walk in the darkness, you do, not, not, you do not know where you're going. Why do you have the light? Believe in the light so that you may become children of light. Lord, show us what you intend us to hear out of that scripture. Okay, so we have at least three different groups here looking for Jesus. We have the crowds coming to, uh, to the festival. They're looking for Jesus because he's caused some stir. They've heard about miracles, heard about people, uh, blind people seeing. They've heard about lame people walking. They've heard about food being multiplied. And they've, uh, they've, they've come looking for Jesus. Some, I'm sure, coming like, well, you know, how can I benefit from this? If Jesus would do that for them, I wonder if he'd do something for me. Maybe he could multiply some bread for me. Maybe he could heal my leg. Maybe he could heal my, my son. Maybe, you know, uh, they, they're, and the others like, well, you know, is he really going to come to the festival? I mean, does, does he know that, that there's a contract out on his life? Do they, does he know that the Pharisees and the chief priest of the Jews, uh, are trying to kill him. This is intrigue here. And so does he know, is he going to show up? If so, is it going to be a great confrontation? Are we going to have a gunfight out in the middle of the street? Uh, you know, what's going to happen when Jesus shows up and these Pharisees come against him? Because after all, he raised Jesus from the, uh, he raised Lazarus from the dead. So he's pretty powerful, but these guys are pretty powerful too, because they're in cahoots with the Roman government and they have power on their own. And so, you know, this could be a, we could be watching a fight here. And, and so we don't know all the many reasons that people, these people were, were looking for Jesus, but they came to the festival looking for Jesus. There are a lot of people looking for Jesus. In fact, everybody's looking for Jesus. You know why? 
because we were all made for Jesus. We're all made. Somebody said, Pascal, I think, somebody said, we all have this vacuum inside, this God-shaped vacuum, this Jesus-shaped vacuum. And we're never at peace until it's filled with him. Now, a lot of people don't know they're looking for Jesus. They're not consciously looking for Jesus, but they're looking for something to satisfy. They're looking for something to fill them. They're looking for something to give them purpose, for, for, to give them meaning. But, and a lot of people, you know, think they can find the solution in all kinds of substitutes, but they can't. Uh, you can't find it in money. You can't find it in prestige. You can't find it in health. You can't find it in wealth. You can't, you know, you know, all of those things are wonderful. They're, you know, the good stuff, but it won't satisfy until you find Jesus. And so everybody's looking for him. Some know it, some don't. Now, the other group there, though, the Jewish leaders, they weren't curious. They were furious. <laughs> they, they were upset. You know why? Well, you see, they had this view of reality that was a kind of a rigid, literal view of reality. And that is, uh, they, uh, they, if you told them, if you gave them a promise, it had to happen exactly like they pictured it in their mind. Now, now there's a reason for that. You see, here's kind of how it works. In the Garden of Eden, here's what reality looked like. The visible and the invisible were meshed. Adam and Eve were visible, working in a visible, natural, physical garden. And yet they walked and talked with God. They could hear the sound of it. So, so the invisible world and the visible world were meshed. And there was oneness in it. When sin came into the picture... Then remember the promise that the, that the serpent made. If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened. And you know what happened? Their eyes were opened to the knowledge of good and evil, but it was closed to that world of reality to the degree that the invisible world became invisible. The spiritual world became behind the scene, became invisible. And so what people looked at was the natural, that they could see the natural and they determined reality by what they could observe. And so what was natural and physical became the only real that was there. So God works with what he has to work with. So how did God communicate with his people? He communicated to them in the natural. So God spoke to them in the natural things. And so his promises would have natural things. He promised them they would have a land. Well, he, it was a physical land, but he was talking about a possession. I mean, it's, it's bigger than a piece of land, but he, he promised them a land. He, he promised them a law, he gave them a law, not just the invisible law that you can discover by knowing God, walking with God, seeing his created order, but he, he, he actually, it was a law written by his fingers on stone. It was, it was a physical, natural law. And his process of blessing the world through a human being came about through a lineage. So, so think about this. You got the land and the law and the lineage, all natural, all something you could touch, feel, see, hear, smell. So, so we've got the, the, the lineage of Abraham, his physical son, Isaac, and we've got the law and we got the land. And eventually there was the temple. 
Sorry, it doesn't start with an L, so you can remember it, but there was a temple. So this, this basically defined the reality of the Jews, the chief priests, and so forth, was they, they were focused on God is all about land, law, lineage, and temple. And Jesus came, and he didn't exactly fit that whole thing. Also, there had been promises through the prophets that God would restore Israel, and they took that very rigidly literal as well and said, that means that our, our city will be restored and all the nations of the world will come here and Jerusalem will physically, naturally be the center of the universe. And that uh, wasn't really what Jesus was saying because Jesus came and, and he cleansed the temple and he said, this is the temple right here. Destroy this temple. Three days I'll raise it. He, he, he talked about eternal reality, spiritual reality. So the scripture lets us know that this is the way it worked. First, there's a natural, then, then there's a spiritual. So when Jesus came and was raised from the dead, he again merged the physical, the visible with the invisible. And so, so that, that's the kingdom that he brought to the earth. And that was what was really, even prior to his raising from the dead, when he came to the earth, that this was really what was upsetting the, the, the Pharisees and the chief priests was Jesus was explaining or he was living a reality that was both physical and, and spiritual at the same time, both visible and invisible. You know, he said to his disciples, have you seen me? You've seen the father. My words are spirit and life. He talked about, yeah, you'll, you'll eat my body and drink my, my blood. And were, oh no, is he talking about candle, cannibalism? No, no, no. Jesus was talking about these two worlds coming together again and living in ultimate reality where the spiritual and the physical are working together and they're two parts of the same. Now, the Pharisees and, and the chief priests couldn't get that. They were locked into the old way. They were locked into the physical, natural, observable stuff. And so, therefore, when Jesus came, uh, they didn't like him. And so they had to get rid of him in order for their, for their system to work. And so they tried to, they were going to kill Lazarus and they were going to kill Jesus and uh Anyway, that, that was their problem. Now, let's get to the third group, the Greeks. The Greeks came. Now, why were the Greeks coming? Uh, Jesus was not Greek. They, they were having to, to some degree, uh, humble themselves to come to a Jewish festival because these Greeks were known for their philosophy and for their intellect. And yet... They were looking for Jesus, too, because philosophy and intellect won't satisfy that, that longing inside that was created for you, for Jesus to be. So look, they, they came and they were looking for Jesus. So they came to the vessel, came up to Philip and said, we'd like to see Jesus. So Philip, the old Andrew, so they go tell Jesus. And it seems like, a you know, just a straightforward deal. We'd like to see Jesus. Jesus could say, OK, I got a slot three o'clock this afternoon. Uh, tell them to show up over here, and uh, I'll meet them. I'd love to see them. That, that's what you'd think would happen, but that's not exactly what happened. The uh, Jesus answered very strangely. We want to see Jesus, the Greek said. Jesus said, whoa, the hour of my glorification has come. 
Now, what was he talking about? Well, Jesus knew the calendar of God. He knew that he would come. He would come first to the Jews because the Jews were God's instrument in blessing the world. So Jesus came to fulfill the purpose of Israel. So he came first to the Jew. And then there would come a time when the Gentiles would come. And when the Gentiles would come, Jesus would know that the, the, the transition was about to happen. So this transition that had been in the calendar of God all along, when the Jews showed up, Jesus said, ah, the hour of my glorification, the biggest event in history is about to happen. The turning point of the story, the climax of the narrative, it's about to happen. So, so he recognizes the coming of the Greeks to him to ask this question was a turning point in itself. And, but his answer his answer is amazing. He says, okay, don't want to see me? Except a grain of wheat falls to the earth and die, it remains alone. But if it dies, it brings forth fruit. And then he goes on to explain and make application of that. What's he talking about? Why is he saying that? I mean, why didn't he just say, okay, three o'clock, I can't do three, try four, you know? <laughs> because it wasn't an appointment they were looking for. They were wanting to see ultimate, the ultimate reality of Jesus, and Jesus wanted them to see him so that they could see both the physical and the, and the spiritual working together. So here's what he says. You will only see me in the death and resurrection dynamic. And he uses the seed as the metaphor. Just, just like a seed, it's there, you plant it, it dies, it's gone. All hope of that seed's life coming back is gone. It dies, but out of it comes a whole new reality, a whole new creation. It, it is connected to it DNA-wise, but it looks so totally different. There was a seed, now there's a stalk, and now there's a leaf, and now there's a bloom, and now there's more fruit. And so Jesus is saying, this is the dynamic that uh, is the key to understanding reality. If you can't see the dynamic of the cross, you'll never understand Jesus. And if you don't understand his cross, you will never understand the story. You won't know what the Bible's all about. You'll see it as a book of laws or instructions or rules or history or, or whatever, but you won't see it as about who Jesus is. So, so Jesus came and he died. Now, now here, here's the problem with, with that. When, when Jesus died, all of those who had their hope in his promises, his predictions, his prophecies, his pictures, all they died too. Think of, think of the, the disciples in the Emmaus Road. They had believed, they, they said, so now they were totally dejected because as far as they knew, Jesus was still in the grave. And Rome and the Jewish priests had won. They had got what they wanted. And so uh, when Jesus incognito comes along and starts walking with them and says, why are you guys so down? They said, because all of our hopes were in Jesus. We had hoped that the promises made in the Old Testament be fulfilled in him. We had hoped that Israel would be restored. We'd hoped that we'd be vindicated. We'd, we'd hoped that our hearts would be satisfied. We'd hoped that, the, that he was the deliverer. And now he's dead and all hope is gone. 
Yep, that's part of the deal. But in his death, Jesus, like the seed, came forth with new life. And when he came out of the grave, he came starting a whole new creation. And in that creation, the physical and the natural are combined together. The invisible and the visible are connected. The, the eternal word of God has become flesh, has now become resurrected flesh. And so now the hope is in the new creation. So Jesus was indicating it all the way along in, this, in the same uh, group of texts here. One of the things that was uh, interesting is that Jesus came into the city as the king riding on a donkey. Well, that's no way for, for a king to express himself. So he was right then trying to explain what, what the nature of his kingdom was. It, it isn't like the natural people think it is. It's totally different. The difference is that the resurrection, the resurrection life is different than the previous life. So, so that you can understand why, why so many people missed it when Jesus was there. I mean, I mean, they heard he was coming to town. So it's like, wow, you know, he's coming to town. Let's, let's uh, get some palm branches out and, and uh, uh, we welcome it. And then he comes riding in on a donkey. I think they felt a little foolish. It's like, what are we, what are we doing celebrating uh, the entrance into into the city of a king who's riding on a donkey. This is nuts. So, so it's upside down stuff. And, and part of the reason we miss so much of what God's doing is we're still looking at it the, the natural way. And so you, you're not going to get his cross. You're not going to understand Jesus. If you just see Jesus as a miracle worker, if you just see him as somebody's out for the poor, he's trying to change political systems. He's, he, you know, if, if you see him for all of that, yeah, yeah he, he's all that, but he's a whole lot more. You're never really going to see him. You're never really going to see him until you see him in his death and his resurrection. Because that's the dynamic that we get to live. That's why he says, if you're, if you're going to follow, he who serves me must follow me. What does that mean? means you're going to have this death and resurrection too. It means that, that all the hopes that you had in your own natural stuff, all the promises that you felt like were made to you, all the premonitions and all the prophecies and whatever, uh, they may not look like you thought, but they'll be a lot better because God is going to work the cross and the resurrection in your life as well in your life individually, in your own, in your own purpose, but also in your family and the, in your children, in your vocation, whatever. If, if something dies, it's because God has something greater in store and the greater in store will be parallel to the resurrection as compared to the former life. So, if you know that, then you can walk through all kind of troubled times. You can walk through all kinds of loss. You can walk through all kinds of missing out, if you will, of being disappointed. You can walk through that because you know that because the life of God in you is the resurrected life of Christ. And because this is the dynamic of God's kingdom, this is the way God works that when there is that loss, it's because God is doing resurrecting things in your life. 
That's why the people in Hebrews 11 made the hall of faith. They had received these promises of God, and many of them saw miracles happen in, in their day, but many of them did not. But you know what? Didn't stop them. They just kept going because they had, they had meshed the eternal world with the physical, with the temporal world. They had meshed the visible with the invisible. They had heard God say this, and they understood that if they lose something, God restores it. And if he doesn't restore it in this temporal life, it will be restored later. But... But, but they were so sure of the later that it didn't matter to them. And that, that's true of you and it's true of me. So we can live this way. We can, we can live in the awareness of seeing Jesus every day in our life. You can see him every time there's a loss, every time there's a death, every time there's a death of a vision, the death of a dream, the death of a hope, the, 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 a promise that didn't seem to come true. You, you can say, I, I, I know, but I share, I'm living in God's kingdom. I'm living in his kingdom where seeds fall to the earth and die, but they don't, re they, they don't remain there. They come alive. They come alive in a, in a greater form. And that's the hope that we offer to the world as they get to see us walking, us, we being those who are following Jesus. They get to see us walk with the hope of the resurrection, not just the hope that one day our bodies will be resurrected. That's good. That's good. We, it, it, they will. And, and you, don't have to, you don't have to wonder about that. But that's not just the resurrection. This is the whole dynamic of the kingdom of God is the whole death resurrection dynamic. So to today, if you are grieving the loss of something, the the, the failure of something to happen that you had hoped for. If, if you're grieving something, it's okay to grieve it, but don't stop there. Just know that resurrection is, is coming. That dynamic is working and God may bring it to fruition in your life. Now he may bring it in, to fruition in, in the, the next step, but you are eternal. And and when death comes, you simply step from, from the, a kind of a limited way into an unlimited way, but you're still living in a reality that's defined by both the physical and, and the spiritual. So are you looking for Jesus? I am. You can find him in lots of places. You can find him in disappointment. You can find him in despair. You can find him in depression. You can find him. You can find him in the face of others. You can find him in nature. You can find him. You can find him all around if you know what you're looking for. But if, you, if you're going to find Jesus, you'll find him in places where death turns to resurrection and where people have hope, a hope that cannot be diminished by a coronavirus or by an economic collapse or by death or by cancer or any other calamity. It cannot be because of the nature of the life that we have. It is the nature of resurrection. And our hope is not in some uh, event you know, event happening like, okay, we finally find a vaccine for the coronavirus, or we finally find a way to make, uh, to get rid of cancer. No, wonderful as those may be. What, what our hope is in, is in the nature of a God who has always been a God who creates out of nothing 
and raises the dead. That's our faith. That's our hope. That's why we celebrate the Easter, why we celebrate resurrection. And so in the midst of all of the distractions that could be coming our way, with all the stuff we're having to deal with globally, nationally, personally, let's don't forget that the greatest event in history is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and the life that comes out of that. So until, let me pray for you and then... I'll be looking forward to seeing you again. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege of being able to get together by this means of technology that we can share your word together, share our hope in you together. Thank you so much for the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the life of resurrection that lives in us, that gives us hope that what, what we've lost, we get back something better, greater, eternal. And so I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is Dudley Hall with Creative Adventures. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this message by Dudley Hall from Kerygma Ventures. Additional copies of this resource, as well as a wide range of discipleship materials, is available from our website. You may make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Dudley Hall or Kerygma Ventures, please visit us online at www.kerygmaventures.com. That's K-E-R-Y-G-M-A-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S dot com.